So I grew up in Waterford. Waterford is not too far from here. Maybe you are familiar with Waterford, but I grew up going to a movie theater. It's now called Guitar Center. And the reason why it's called Guitar Center is because I grew up going to this movie theater that was $2 to go to a movie. You remember, remember going to these? There was actually dollar theaters that you could go to a movie for a dollar, and this one was for some reason $2. I don't know. Uh, but they upped the price a buck, and, and so th- I enjoyed going. We would go just on the weekends, Friday night, we would go catch a movie. They were like movies that have been out for a little while, you know, right before they went to VHS. You remember VHS? Remember that? Remember this? And so um, until in Waterford, they built a, a beautiful state-of-the-art, you know, theater called the MJR. If you're familiar, it's still, it still exists today, the MJR. Well, when the MJR was built, it completely wiped out my $2 movie theater. I don't know if you've experienced this before, but that's, you know, typically what happens. I also uh, worked at a, um, a, a store in the mall at the Summit Place Mall. Anybody familiar with this? It used to be called the Pontiac Mall, okay? I worked at a store called Boater's World. Anybody ever been to Boater's World before? I, I, most people haven't. Um, <laughs> I, did, I, I knew nothing. I got a job. A buddy of mine got me a job at Boater's World while I was trying to go get through college, you know, and I knew nothing about boats, not a thing. I mean, people would come in and they would pull me over and ask me questions about some sort of, you know, boat mechanism, and then I would pretend like I knew about it, and they saw right through it. I literally had one guy say, um, can you go and find me somebody that knows what they're talking about? Like, I... I was told that. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll be right back. You know, and I, <laughs> I went and got somebody. Well, I only worked at Boaters World for so long because uh, Boaters World had to shut down. The reason why Boaters World had to shut down is because the Summit Place Mall was shutting down. And the reason why the Summit Place Mall was shutting down is because Great Lakes Crossing Mall, do anybody know Great Lakes Crossing Mall still exists? They were, they were building Great Lakes Crossing Mall. So when Great Lakes Crossing Mall was built, when that was done, that was like the new a great mall to go to, and it completely wiped out Summit Place Mall, where Summit Place Mall is now obsolete, just like $2 movie theaters are obsolete. They're obsolete because of something new that happened, something new that, that showed up, something new that came on the scene. We all experience this. We all know this to be true. Like, you know, when you get a new, a new cell phone, everybody get a new cell phone, right? You get a new cell phone. I remember when I get my new cell phone, you know, I got the, the iPhone 10 or the X or whatever it's supposed to be called. I don't know. I got the iPhone 10. You're like, man, how well do we pay you? I, I get it. I get it. I get it. I understand. But Here's the thing, um, you know, I got this, and I had like, I don't know what my phone was before, like a 6S, I think it, it was, iPhone, if you're familiar with any of this, I don't know, but it, it was, and so immediately, once you get your new phone, what does your old phone become? Your old phone, it becomes obsolete, it's like, you don't need it, you don't, re- you don't go back to your old phone. Once you have the 10, you don't go back to the 6S, you hand it down to your kids, right? Like, you're like, here you go, you can have this, you know, and they're like, gee, thanks a lot, you know, like, you have the 10 and I got the 6S, you know, so it becomes old, automatically we think that, even though it's not really that old in age, we, we refer to it as old, and it almost becomes for you obsolete, obsolete. We got a new, um, a couch, 
uh, in, in, our, in our house. We redid our basement, and so we thought we had, this, we had this couch that we, you know, used to have in our living room, but we, you know, got a new couch for our living room, and so we put the, what, what do we call it now? Old. The old couch. Yeah, you guys are listening. The old couch downstairs. So we, we got, had the old couch downstairs because we had a new couch upstairs, but then we wanted to get a new couch for the downstairs because the couch downstairs was really old, and so now we have the old couch in our garage. It's not really that old. I know it's still in my garage. I just haven't done anything with it. If you need a couch, you can have it, but you don't want it because it's old. It's old. This is oftentimes what Jesus was referring to. Jesus would talk about things, and it was almost like when Jesus would talk, he was almost like making something sound like that it was becoming, it, this, this thing is going to be old, and there's something new going to happen. That there's something new that he, and so Jesus would talk about this, and, and, and they were sort of, the, his listeners, his audience, and especially the religious people were going, wait a minute, wait a minute, what are you saying? You're saying that you're going to start calling something old, or there's going to be something that's going to be referenced as obsolete? And because you're talking about something brand new. And a couple examples of that is when Jesus would, uh, we know it as the Sermon on the Mount. And we think that Jesus would share this Sermon on the Mount or give these concepts of the Sermon on the Mount everywhere that he went. So we have it recorded in the Gospels, but, but oftentimes over Jesus' three and a half years of, 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 of being on this earth, that he would share these concepts and teach these concepts wherever he went. And so he would say things like, you know, you have heard that have been said. You know, he would, he would sort of reference, you know, some, some history and some of their, their, their you know, Judaism and their, and their faith and, and, and the laws of Moses and, and the prophets. And so he would reference some of these, these teachings, this, these Old Testament or what we call Old Covenant teachings. And he would say that you have heard that it was said. But then he would make another statement after that. He would say, but I say to you. So what he would do is that he would say, you heard it was said this way, but I'm saying to you something new. I'm giving you a new teaching. I'm giving you, and he would claim, and that's what was so upsetting about this for people, that he would claim this as having authority. He would put himself, and this was this was radical for them. And if we could put ourselves in that culture at that time frame, you would feel it. You probably don't feel the tension right now, but I'm telling you, he would put himself on the same level playing field as Moses. He would claim authority just like God gave Moses authority. He would claim authority in the same way. As a matter of fact, he would even say, I'm greater. He would make statements to say, I'm greater than Moses. Because he would make statements like, you have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. And so he would make this statement, you have heard, you have heard, do not commit adultery. But I say to you that any man or any person that looks at a person in a lustful manner has committed adultery in their heart. He upped the game of authority. He took it to a whole level. He was claiming something not better. He was claiming something new, something new. He would teach, he would teach um, um, a principle, and he would say, you know what? He said, you know what's so funny? He said, why would we, and he would talk about old clothes, right? And he would talk about old clothes that people would wear, and, and, and he would say, why do we take our old clothes that have holes in them and then take new fabric 
and take some new fabric, and fabric was very valuable at that time, very, very valuable. Why would we take new fabric and cut up that fabric to just patch a hole in an old, in old clothes? And he said it a little bit differently than I'm saying it, but ultimately this is what he's saying. He's saying, why would we take something new, why wouldn't we make something new instead of taking that new piece of fabric and putting a patch on something old? Jesus didn't come to patch up something old. Jesus came to make something new. Now, this statement, they should have walked away and never gave him any credence again. This statement, he said this. They would all gather for this uh, celebration of this festival that they called Passover. Passover. If you, if you grew up in church, you, you have a, a sense of understanding of what Passover is. He was, he, they were gathering together. Jesus and the disciples were gathering together to celebrate, or what they thought was, to celebrate Passover. While they're there having dinner together, Jesus makes a statement. He said this. He said, just like when I take this bread and I break this bread, he said, this is a picture of my broken body. He says, just as we take of this cup and we drink of this cup in this moment, he said, this is the new covenant. He said this, this is a new covenant of my blood. And then he makes this statement. When you get together, he said, do this in remembrance of me. Not do this in remembrance of what we've always done, you know, for years and years and years, celebrating Passover. Passover is an incredible story. Jews celebrate Passover. They still celebrate Passover. But Jesus was claiming something new. Jesus was saying, listen, it's not about celebrating Passover anymore. And, and the disciples that heard this should have been like, whoa, 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 whoa. You're telling me that Passover is now obsolete? And Jesus would say, yeah. Because what I'm giving to you is something new. What I'm telling you now, instead of celebrating Passover, what I'm telling you now is that when you get together and you break bread and you partake of the cup and, as, and you do this now in remembrance of me, Jesus is saying. He came and claimed something brand new. Now, they would hear these teachings and they would start to question him. And here's what his response is to their questions. And so here's what their, his, his response would be. In Matthew 5, 17, do not think, do not think. So why would he have to say do not think? Because this is what they were thinking. Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. He says, I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. He said, I didn't come to, you know, so what are the law and the prophets? Well, the law and the prophets are, are, are simply this. It's, it's, what, it's what Jews, even Jews today, call what we call the Old Old Testament. If you're ever having a conversation with a Jew, never call it the Old Testament. They're offended by that because it's not old to them. It's not old to them. It's still relevant for them. And so this is what they would call, even Jews today would call the law of the prophets. But we call it, Christians call it, the Old Covenant or the Old Testament. Their covenant and testament are sort of synonymous with, with one another. This is what they would refer to. The old prophets, they would refer to it, the law and the prophets refer to it as Old Covenant or Testament. Now, 
Go back to verse 17. So Jesus is saying, listen, I didn't come to abolish that. No, I came to fulfill it. And that's exactly what Jesus did. That there was a requirement that came from the law and that we couldn't meet that requirement. And so Jesus came and said, I can meet it. I can fulfill that requirement. And so he did. He met that requirement by sacrificing himself on a cross for our sins. And then when that was fulfilled, it was finished. That's why when Jesus hung on a cross, he made the statement, it is finished. In other words, the law and the prophets, the old covenant, it is finished. It's been fulfilled and it's now finished. So just to to get us all on the same page here, here's the differences between old covenant and new covenant. First thing, old covenant, it's conditional and it's temporary. So God has made two separate covenants. One for the old, in the old covenant, or you know it as your Old Testament, that, that covenant, those promises are conditional. In other words, when God made the covenant with Moses, he said this. He said, Moses, when you, if, if you and your people do what I want you to do, I'm going to bless you. When you and your people don't do what I want you to do, you're going to get it. It was conditional. When you listen, when you do what you're supposed to do, I will bless you. When you don't, I will curse you. This was conditional. And oftentimes we pull, we pull Old Covenant or Old Testament concepts into our, our faith because we think that our relationship with God is conditional. It's not. It's not. It's unconditional. Our new covenant that we have, or in other words, our New Testament, that is unconditional. Meaning that regardless of what you do or don't do, God still loves you. Regardless of of the choices that you make or the decisions that you make, he still is crazy about you. He still wants to bless you. The view now is like parents and a child. The way that God sees you is one of his kids. And your kids can really mess up. Your kids can really make poor decisions. But do you stop loving them? No. That's the promises that we have. So there's the old covenant, which is conditional, and it was temporary. And now we have the new covenant, which is unconditional, and it's permanent. Here's another difference. The old covenant, the promises were for one nation. The promises were for one nation. The old covenant, it was for a, a particular people, a specific people, for one nation. The new covenant, the promises are for all nations, all nations, every person, everyone. It doesn't matter what nation you're from. It doesn't matter what, what you were born into, that the new covenant promises are for everyone. Let me give you another dif- difference between the old covenant and new covenant. The old covenant is about foretelling Jesus. In other words, indicating beforehand. So the purpose of our old covenant, it was for one reason. The one reason is is that because it points to Jesus. The Old Testament, the old covenant, they put it together with our Bible. They combined the old and the new together for convenience purposes, but for more importantly, because it pointed to Jesus. It all pointed to to Jesus, and it was a foretelling of Jesus. But our new covenant, it's about foretelling Jesus. We now know what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. We know now what it looked like, how God came and fulfilled the laws and the prophets, fulfilled and finished it. 
It's now about forth telling who Jesus is, making him public. And here, don't get me wrong, all scripture, all scripture is divinely inspired. All scripture is divinely inspired. All scripture is profitable. Old covenant is divinely inspired and profitable, but not equally applicable. It's not equally applicable, and I'll prove it to you in a minute. So we live now in a new covenant. We live in this new covenant. We live, we've, we live now where God has offered forgiveness and grace and kindness and salvation to the whole world, the whole world, all people. So we live in this old covenant. New covenant people should look first at new covenant promises. New covenant people should look first at new covenant promises. Now, is there other great promises that we can draw from from the old covenant? Sure, but that's, that was for a nation. That was for a particular people. And here's what we're really good at. We're really good at. We're really good at cherry picking what we like and what we don't like. And I'll also show you that in a minute. We're really good at pulling from this or that or this or that. Well, I like this. I don't, I don't know what that means. I'm going to skip over it. You do it in your devotions, right? You know, you get set up in a yearly devotion plan, right? And you have like New Testament stuff and you almost get excited that you get to read that. But then you got to read like Leviticus, and you're like, I don't know what this is talking about. Like, I don't know what this is understanding. Like, this is how we pull. We pull, we, we pick and choose. We cherry pick from the things that we like. We, we, us, we need to be people who should look first at new covenant promises. We should. Now, let me show you what the Hebrew writer said about this. Now, we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews but now I'm starting to understand why they wanted to remain anonymous. Here's what he said. Whoever it was. Could have been a she. Who knows? Could have been. Hebrews 8, 6. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry by as much as he is also the mediator of, what does it say? A better covenant. Come on, join with me. Let's play along here for today. There we go which has been enacted on better promises. So the Hebrew writer is going, listen, listen, you need to understand something. There's a better covenant for all of us. There's better promises for all of us. And let me, let me prove it to you. Now, man, I am really going to start offending you now. Jeremiah 29.11. Don't you love Jeremiah 29.11? Don't you love it? Okay, here's what it said. For I know the plans that I have for you. Have you ever get that? And you go to, you go to a graduation party and you have a card. You find a go to the Christian section and you have a, for a, and you give this card to this grad. You know, and be like and you're like here you go, Jeremiah twenty eleven. You know, Jeremiah twenty eleven. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Wow, isn't that amazing? That's amazing, right? That's amazing. That's not your promise. It's not your promise. You know what that promise was for in context? Look at verse 10. You gotta just read one verse before it. Verse 10. 
For thus says the Lord, when 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you to bring you back to this place. You know what this was for? This was for a particular people, a particular nation who was taken out of their homeland, brought into captivity in a place called Babylon. And God said, in 70 years after you serve your time there, then I know the plans that I have for you. So maybe if you want to claim that promise, you have to wait 70 years if you find yourself in Babylon. But the Hebrew writer is saying, you know what? It's a good promise, but there's better promises. There's better promises. Here's, let me give you a better promise, Philippians 4.19. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. What a promise. Hey, that's for you. That's for you. That we have a God who has a supply of riches in his glory that he's going to give you when you need it. What a promise. I mean, this is to me, I don't think I convinced you. Let me give you another one. Romans 8, 28. And we know, this is for you, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. Aren't you glad to know that there is a God regardless of what your situation is or your circumstances is or what happens to you that he knows and he probably is gonna cause it all to work together. You're good and you're bad. It's all gonna work together to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. These are better promises. These are better promises. Hebrew writer isn't done. Let's go back to the Hebrew writer. Again, anonymous. I understand why. (laughs) Hebrews 8, 13. And when he said, when he said a new covenant, he he has made the first obsolete. But whatever is becoming obsolete and growing old, you can participate, is ready to disappear. You know what he's saying? He's saying these are things, this is now a a covenant that is now becoming obsolete. It's it's old. It's old because there's something new that has come. There's There's a new covenant. It has, according to the Hebrew writer, better promises. Now, you understand this concept, right? And I even shared with you some of my own personal experiences. But you understand the concept of something that becomes obsolete, right? It used to be new. Let me show you an example. Remember those? Remember that? See, That's a CD. Remember that CD, some of you? I got news for you, some of you. It's becoming obsolete. It's becoming obsolete. They're not even going to make CD players. Some of them, maybe they still do. You know, you can go to a garage sale or something like that and find one. No offense to anybody that I'm not trying to offend you and your CD playing, but this is, these are things that are coming obsolete. Let me give you another one. Let me give you another one. A physical map. Anybody remember? Like, I would go to triple, AAA. Anybody would go to AAA, and I would go to AAA. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to, like, Ohio, and I don't know how to get there. And then somebody from AAA would sit down with me, and they would unfold this map, you know? And they're like, you can never fold it back right again. Remember this? And you would, they would open up this map and they would take a highlighter. Okay, here's where you're going to start and then you're going to get over here and then you're going to change things. Isn't it so much better now that we have like the ability to type in an address 
in our device and it, it, it literally talks us through? I mean, that's right. I need it too. I don't even know how I got around. I, I wouldn't even know how to get back to Waterford if it wasn't for my digital map phone thing. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Like these are things that are now, that now are just obsolete because there's something better. There's something better. Anybody know, recognize this? Anybody know what that is? That is <laughs> I know. Film. Remember this? Remember you would take your film, all your film, into the, you know, whatever drugstore? Like, I need to print out a thousand pictures, you know, like back, back in, you know, three years ago. Like, we just take all of our film in. It's like, that doesn't even happen. That is, that's, it, film is like obsolete. Anybody, anybody remember these? Remember these? I remember when I first started dating my wife, and I would go, went to her house for the first time, and well, I don't know why, I just have this image of her parents have just a whole bookshelf of Encyclopedia Britannicas. Like, I don't know, it's just a whole, whole thing of like, and that, remember how you had to, you know, look up things that way? You had to go to the library? Is the library still open? No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. These are things that are now, these are things that are now obsolete. Uh, let me show you one more, one more. <laughs> Remember? <laughs> Boy, those were the good old days, weren't they? Yeah. I'm with you. I mean, I miss these things, you know? I miss going through, you know, Sam Goody, you know, standing there, by, looking at CDs, you know, and figuring out what CD I want to get, you know? I'm like, oh, cool, you know, Stone Temple Pilots, you know, Nirvana, Pearl Jam. Sorry, telling you too much, giving you too much information about me. Uh, you guys, this is all now, side conversations happening all around the place. Remember we used to go to Blockbuster? You used to go to Blockbuster and look, look at movies, you know, like, oh, and you would pull the box open and, like, there was no movies behind there. How disappointing that was, right? <laughs> These are things that at one time or another, they were new and they were relevant. But then something better came along. I mean, isn't it? I mean, do you guys know about Netflix? I mean, it's cool. Netflix is awesome. <laughs> Like, you know, Hulu, whatever. You, it's like these things are better. It's easier. It's more convenient. But it's, it's not the point. The point is, is that there's just some things that happen that, have, that start brand new that are, other things just become obsolete. They become obsolete. So here's the whole point. Here's the whole point. Stay with me. Stay with me. Here's the whole point. For the next few weeks, we're going to take our point of view. Our, we're going to take our point of view from a covenant God made with you. That let, what if we looked at different areas, different aspects of all of our lives, and we looked at what God had to say to you? Because God made a new covenant, and the old covenant is obsolete. The old covenant has disappeared and God has established a brand new covenant, a covenant that he said is better promises. So let's take our point of view from a covenant that God made with you. The other covenant was for a nation. At a particular time of God was doing something to introduce someone so that something can be now brand new. So let's take our point of view when it comes to important areas, areas like marriage, areas like parenting, 
Areas like relationships. Areas like finances. Other areas maybe like what you do as an employee or an employer. Maybe the church. Because the church is a new covenant concept. It's not an old covenant concept. It's just a new covenant concept. And I just want to just give you a couple examples of why we should take our view from a covenant that God made for you and for me. Let me give you a couple examples. Now, when we talk about marriage, let me just preview, and we're going to talk a lot more about it in the next few weeks. When we talk about marriage, I don't know, you know, there's some great old Testament or Old Covenant verses, like Song of Solomon, you know. As a matter of fact, Jewish, you know, young men weren't allowed to read Song of Solomon until they were over 30 because of the content of it. So they would read Song of Solomon, but then, you know, but they couldn't read it until they were, you know, of, of the right age. But here's what it says. I mean, I don't know if this was some of these things that you found on a Valentine's Day card this week. I don't know if they are or not. But listen, if you yourself do not know, most beautiful among women, go forth on the trail of the flock and pasture your young goats by the tents of the shepherds. Boy, this is romantic, isn't it? (laughs) To me, my darling, you are like my mare, my mar, among the chariots of Pharaoh. Isn't that beautiful? How beautiful you are, my darling. How beautiful you are. Your eyes are like doves. You ever tell your your spouse that? No? Okay. How handsome you are, my beloved, and so pleasant indeed. Our couch is luxuriant. He's not done. The The beams of our houses are cedars. Our rafters, cypresses. This is a, you're just feeling all warm and fuzzy now, aren't you? Wouldn't you love to hear that from your spouse? Our houses are cedars. Our rafters are cypresses. Your eyes are like doves. Your spouse would look at you like, what are you talking about? Like, what, what are you saying right now? You know who wrote this? You know who wrote this? This guy wrote this. This guy wrote this. His name was Solomon. Let me tell you, let me tell you why we probably shouldn't take marriage advice from Solomon. Here's what, here's what he said. He had 700 wives and 300 concubines and his wives turned his heart away. I don't know if we want to take marriage advice from Solomon. But we don't have to. It's the old covenant. I don't know. Would you take marriage advice from somebody that said, I have 700 wives and 300 concubines? Oh, what do you have to teach me? I mean, they would probably have have a lot of information when it comes to... He probably had a lot, but boy, how stressed was he? Oh, my heavens, thanks. I just have one. <laughs> she would say the same. It's much worse for her, trust me, it's much worse. But what if, 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 what if we took marriage advice from our covenant? What if we took marriage advice? What if it said, what if we, you know, draw, drew from, you know, Colossians and said, it said this, wives, be subject to your husbands as fitting in the Lord. Verse 19, husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered against them. To me, I think, just think that this is more helpful. To me, I think this is just better advice. 
This is more promising for us with marriages that, that maybe we don't necessarily can, you know, need to pull from or draw from something that's obsolete, but maybe we pull some from something that's brand new and concepts that Jesus wants us to te- learn and understand. Let me give you another example. Now, I don't, parenting, I know, maybe we can learn some things about parenting from the Old Covenant, but I don't know if this is the best advice. Let, let me give you another one. If any man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey his father or his mother, and when they chastise him, he will not even listen to them. Then his father and his mother shall seize him and bring him out of the elders of the city at the gateway of his hometown. Then what will happen? They shall say to the elders of the city, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey us. He is a glutton and a drunkard. So now they're making fun of him. Then all the men of the city shall stone him to death. Is this the kind of parenting advice we want? Sometimes I feel like doing that, but is that the right thing? I don't even know where my kids are at. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is in our in the old covenant. Now that was for something that was a, something that God gave a nation, and that was conditional, but it was also temporary. And Jesus said, I'm starting something new. Isn't this one better, Ephesians 6, 4? Wouldn't this be better? Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Isn't that a better better one? I think so. I think so. I mean, when it comes to relationships, you know what, you know what the nation of Israel was like in the Old Covenant? You know what they were like? Look, let me show you just a picture. There's, there's, there's multiple verses. There's too many verses to try to give you just one. But this is how the nation of Israel was. They were exclusive, meaning that they were God's particular people, God's specific people, but they were also inclusive because they knew that they were God's people, that, that they were inclusive. They just stuck together. And so for them, it was Israel versus everybody else. They didn't let anybody in, and they didn't let anybody go out. They wouldn't, God said, you can't eat their food, you can't drink their drinks, you can't wear their clothes, and you certainly can't adapt to their religion. You stay to yourself. This is a old covenant concept of relationship. It was exclusive. They thought of themselves as exclusive. By the way, we have some of that in the mindset of the church. And they were inclusive, by the way, that is filtered into the church. But they thought that they were that. And they, were, they kept to themselves. They kept to themselves. But that's not new covenant. New covenant is this. Philippians 2. Do, not, do nothing. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. But with humility of mind. Regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out your own personal interests. But also on the interests of others. Have this attitude. What kind of attitude? Have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus. This is the kind of relationship that our covenant is informing us. This is the kind of relationship that we have with people. This is the kind of marriage that we find in Colossians and Ephesians. Parenting that we find in Ephesians. Philippians, the way that we relate and we treat other people. This is what should inform us. Let's take our cue. Let's take our point of view for, from a covenant that God made with you. 
Let's do that. And so for the next couple weeks, we're going to look at better promises. We're going to look at better promises. And we're not going to do what we like to do, and we're not going to cherry pick. We're not going to pull from, take from, like this, don't like that, not sure about this, don't understand that. Oh, that's kind of neat. That makes me feel better. We're not going to do that. We're just going to pull from our new covenant and see what God has to say to you because God has established something better for us. He's given us something better, and the promises that we can claim are better. They're better. The Hebrew writer said, the old, because of the new, is now obsolete. And it's old. And it's old. Father, we... um, We always believe that you divinely inspired all scripture. Though we have to understand that not all scripture is necessarily applicable to every element and aspect of our lives. Certainly in the areas that are most important, like our marriages, our relationships, our family dynamics, the way that we treat other people, the way we respond to harsh, unkind words, the way that we handle our finances, and even what the church should look like, and the way that the church should function, and staying true to what your word says, staying true to sound doctrine, sound doctrine, but not that we pull from different elements, and that, but that we take out of context. Because those are promises for another time and another people. But you give us better promises for us living in this new covenant that you've established with the world because you so loved the world and you gave your one and only son. And those that believe in him will not perish, will have eternal life. What a promise. It's better. What a promise. Thank you for your love and kindness to us. Thank you for your grace that you extend to us. As we look over the next few weeks, some areas, some topics, some situations that could be challenging, I pray, Lord, that you give us the grace to know that because you say them, that you have the best in mind for us because you're always for us never against us. In Jesus' name.